I want to talk to you this morning about the main thing. Uh, There's a sense in which the strategic plan is meant to be timely, but it's meant to propel us towards a goal that's timeless. It doesn't change. I know some of you, Caroline, are in the habit of taking notes and you archive them. And so if I say something that I've said before, you're going to know. I've said this before. I've said this every year for the past eight years because it doesn't change. The main thing is always the main thing. And I want to spend a little bit of time with you looking at what the Bible says the main thing is. What is the mission? If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, let's have a look at the Psalms. We'll be in Psalm 78. I'm going to start in the second half of verse 2. Psalm 78, verse 2. I will utter things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell them to the next generation. All the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. For He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even their children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children, And then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. I was thinking of a visual picture of this. And again, it's it's not a new one. I'm going to get Sheldon, if you wouldn't mind helping me for a second. I'm going to need two more chairs on the stage. You can take them from the front row because nobody sits there ever. Ever. We're going to put three chairs on the stage. You might want to envision these, or you might want to envision the chairs that you're sitting in. But here's the visual picture. I want you to imagine you sitting in the middle of three chairs. That's your chair. You arrive Sunday right on time at 15 minutes after 9, and you find your chair, and you sit down in it. Now, there was a moment when you first came to the church, and this was the first chair that you sat in. Why did you sit in that chair? You sat there because somebody invited you. It was a friend. It was a neighbor. It was a colleague. Or maybe you sat there because out there in cyberspace, you googled Church Mississauga, the city of Mississauga, and up came Mississauga City Church. That's exactly what I googled, and here you were. But however you came, you sat here. And in this chair, you began to be nurtured, you began to be led, you received counsel and teaching and encouragement, and Sunday by Sunday you came and you occupied this chair. And I know it's your chair, because if somebody ever tries to sit in it, you tell them, right? <laughs> Get out, that's my chair. Right? I want you to look at the chair to your right. Okay, this is my right. To your right. There was somebody that sat in this chair before you ever got here. In fact, you could imagine a line of chairs that extends from the right all the way back to the beginning of this church. In fact, if you wanted to, all the way back to Jesus himself. And generation after generation, somebody has worked to make sure that that line is never broken. And that's why I want you to think about this chair. Look to your left. Maybe some of you have an empty chair to the left. That's as it should be. 
The empty chair to your left is the generation that's not here. It's the generation for whom we work and dream and pray, and everything in that strategic plan is about trying to best position the church so the generation to come can do what the generation past has always done. Unleash the power of Jesus in people's lives. That's the point of the Psalms, isn't it? The the Psalms were meant to to instill in the people of God this mandate for bringing the riches of God into the life of the next generation. Again, I want you to think about your chair. And I want you to think about the one to the right. And think about who it is that encouraged you. And how did they do that? They made a place for you here. They, They invited you. I was invited by my parents. I was only a few weeks old when they first brought me to church. And I'm told I loved it. I'm told that as a toddler, I would have the conspicuous habit in my little tweed suit of slinking out of my mother's arms, it's a church with pews, and then swimming, breaststroke style, under the pews from the mid-back all the way to the front, and then popping up in the front row just to say hi to the pastor, who would who would tolerate that sort of thing, but... Some of you, uh, some of the first time, some of you, the first time you came to church was as adults, and maybe you were skeptical, and you sat right in the back, so you can get away if things start to get weird, right? And people started singing, and somebody put their hand up in front of you, and you thought, well, that's kind of strange. Do they have a question? Is this Q&A time? But then somehow, somewhere along the line, you met God. Whatever your story is. Some of you have been here for as long as you can remember. You were, in the language of the old rural Baptist church that my family grew up in, you were Bible-toting, Scripture-quoting, blood-bought, spirit-taught, faith-walking, gospel-talking believers. Capital B. And as long as you can remember, this has been your place. But whatever your story is, none of you came to faith by yourself. There was somebody in this chair that helped to make it happen for you. Jesus told his friends, they told their friends, and they told their friends, often at very great cost, but not a single generation got skipped right down the line. Again, the psalmist, Psalm 78, we will tell the next generation all the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he's done, so that they too will put their trust in God. Look to your left the chair to your left, the next generation. The goal of this church, of any church, the main thing is always this. To use the language of the Apostle Paul, it is to present everyone as fully mature in Christ. We're not just a nursery, not just concerned with the first moment, the cradle, conversion. We're we're concerned with all the moments, discipleship, the journey. We want to unleash the power of Jesus in people's lives. It's what we're about as a church. And that hasn't changed. It's the main thing. Here's what I love about our church. Um, I mean, I love so many things, but a lot of churches maybe are what you might be called two-chair churches. They got a great present. They just started. There's enthusiasm. There's excitement. There's all kinds of things going on. They're trendy. They're edgy. They're hip. Um, but there's not much of a past. 
And that's okay. God uses all churches. But they don't have that five-decade legacy, that, that wisdom, that, that heritage of God's faithful people as things are being passed from one generation to the next. And then there's lots of two-chair churches that look like this. they got a long past. And they've done great things. But somehow, for whatever reason, culture changed. Um, their neighborhood changed. Their own inner demographics changed. But, but the vision cooled down. And the resources started to disappear. And so did the people. And they forgot about the chair to the left. And when they started to remember, they looked around and said, we're just not even sure we've got what it takes anymore. And it all begins to die. We're a three-chair church. I love that about MCBC. It's one of the richest things about the church. We're a Jesus church. Again, those of you who take notes, you'll search this in your notes and say, he says that every week. We're a Jesus church. Jesus loving, Jesus captivated. We're a church that we hope has a thoughtful face, that, that we love the life of the mind. We're a church with a deep call to devotion, that, that kind of us versus them mentality, that doesn't belong here. We're a church that cares about the world and the culture and current issues. And we don't want to get co-opted by political agendas. We're, we're a church that, that places men and women beside each other, serving together with joy and with holiness. We care about justice. We care about compassion, about personal holiness, and about joyful serving. Pat, thank you for really nailing that for us. It's a place where we can be part of, of feeding the hungry and housing the homeless and loving the lonely and healing the broken and spreading the gospel. We will tell the next generation. God had this plan where what was in the chair next to me got passed on to me, and now I get to pass it on to the left. That's God's plan. And so this weekend, I, I want to ask something really specific of each of you. Because the torch didn't get handed to me and it didn't get handed to you by accident. It happened because a group of people made a decision. They said, we will work, we will pray, we will serve, we'll dream, we'll give, we'll sacrifice, we'll do whatever it takes. There is no price that's too high to pay because this cause is so worth it. What makes a church great is when people care more about the church, the chair to the left than they do the chair that they're sitting in now. They care more about the unreached than they do about the reached. More about the future than the past. This is our day. We've been excited about this day for a long time. It's our torch. It's, it's our church. And I want to ask you for your help on this. In every setting, in every activity, in every gathering, in every ministry, will you do for the next generation what the previous generation did for you. If you're visiting, I'm just looking around. I don't know whether there's anybody here for the first time today. Maybe this is just something for you to listen in on and figure out, well, well that's a kind of a strange Sunday that I was at. But, but for anybody who says, this is my place, I'm in, can I break it down for you very succinctly into these four challenges. And we'll be really quick with these. Here's the first one. Be inviting. Can you be inviting? 
Brian, you do this by nature. You're always inviting people here. Neighbors, colleagues, friends. Because the gospel, knowing God, allowing faith to get passed on one person at a time, that's the heart of it. And it's been that way since Jesus. You're here because at some point, somebody said, let me tell you about my church. Let me tell you about my faith. Uh, Let me invite you to come check it out. Because there's this empty chair. Without that person in your life, would you be sitting here? And I'd like to make it really personal for a moment. So I'm going to ask you, everyone in the room right now, to pull out your phone, if you have a phone, okay, and to open up the Photos app. It's risky, right? Make sure you have pants on. Uh, and find a picture of somebody in your life. Now, for some of you, maybe you have pictures in your wallet. Remember when we used to do that? We carried pictures in our wallet. Maybe you want to do that. Find a picture of somebody in your life. Uh, Show it to the person next to you or somebody in front of you or behind you. Tell them who it is. That's my daughter sticking out her tongue at me. Yeah. Find it. Show it. And as you're doing that, I want to ask, you know, is there... Is there ever a moment in your life when you find yourself praying for that person? I mean, maybe it's your kids, maybe grandchildren, maybe a nephew. Uh, real quick right now, uh, would you mind raising your hands if, if you've ever actually had somebody in your life, family member, next generation, somebody from the place that you work, somebody from your neighborhood whose spiritual well-being you're concerned about? If you ever had that, would you raise your hands? Look at that. There is somebody in your life who you care about. And maybe they're further away from God than than you know God wants them to be. And you want them to come home. And so you start praying like crazy. God, let there be somebody in their life who knows you and who cares about them, who invites them to a community of faith, who helps them take the next step. And I'll tell you, an amazing thing that happens in a church, it's part of what makes a church great. A church is great when people care more about the chair to the left than they do the chair that they're sitting in. Some of you have had that experience. You started coming to the church here. You came for a little while. You found it was helpful. Then one weekend, you mustered up the courage to invite somebody else. Family, friend, neighbor. Uh, Whoever it was, you... You had this experience. You invited them to church. And all of a sudden, you started looking at everything differently. You were looking at it through their eyes, not through yours. Boy, that, that looks really dirty in the hallway. I wish it looked cleaner on the day that they were here. Um, and you start thinking, Lord, would you make the people here even friendlier than they already are? And they're pretty friendly. And make the music here even better than it already is. Though it was really good this morning, Michelle. And especially, especially, make the message way, 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 way better than it usually is. And shorter. Because all of a sudden you're looking at things through their eyes and the stakes are raised a hundred times because you're thinking, boy, you know, eternity could hang in the balance here. What we do matters. It's the main thing. It matters for all eternity. My last prayer before I come forward every Sunday, and boy, it's not pretty, it's not eloquent, but before I step into the pulpit, it's simply this, Lord, don't let me blow it. 
Just don't let me blow it. When there's somebody you care about, when you take that step and when you're inviting, God works. No kidding. I mean, that's the first thing I want to ask you to do. Be inviting. Here's the second one. Be connected. People come to the church because they like the music or they're touched by the message. But I'll tell you a secret. They stay because they get connected. Here's a fact about the GTA. You know this. This LinkedIn, smartphone-obsessed, Instagramming, Snapchatting, Facebooking colossus is one of the loneliest places on the planet. Canadian cities, in fact, in a survey that was just released about two weeks ago, the city of Vancouver was named as the loneliest place on the planet. And the GTA was only two steps behind. People don't move to the GTA because of relationships. They move here to get ahead. The city is opportunity rich. It is relationship poor. And the best way that we have to get people connected is in the small group life of our church. Isolation is lethal. The CNN reported a study that found that 45% or people are 45% more likely to die if they lead lives of isolation and loneliness. A man named Robert Putnam, a sociologist, found that if, if you were to join in a small group over the next year, a small group of any kind, but we love our kind, a small group, and you did nothing else to change the health habits of your life, diet, exercise, nothing, you cut the odds of dying in half. So Sheldon, we've talked about this before, but how about this for a slogan for small group ministry? Small groups, join them or die. <laughs> it's catchy, right? Yeah. So I guess what we're asking is this. If you've not been connected, if you've never been part of it, this is your time. Starting the week after Thanksgiving, we're launching our church-wide campaign of focus on our small group life. If you've never joined, this is your time. Try it out. If you've been around the church for a while and you've known Jesus for a while and, and you've been a part of small groups, maybe God's prompting you to step up and lead one because we're a three-chair church, right? If you're older, ask God to place a younger person in your life who you can invest in. If you're younger, ask God to place an older person in your life who can mentor you. If you're not sure whether you're younger or you're older, you're older. <laughs> Just... but. That's the second thing we want to ask. Be, be connected. Here's the third one. Be generous. If this is your church and you know Jesus, if this is your place and you know that you want to be part of the core, I want you to ask, do I have a sound plan to support the church financially? Because you know what's going on in the world. You know what's going on in the Middle East and South Asia, the Bolivia, the Bahamas, the Philippines. You know the plight of our own First Nations people. This year, we'll give $100,000 to meet those needs and others. The reason that we have a plan that can, that can begin to address our young people and our students so that we have teenagers professing their faith in Christ, their faith in Christ is, is that our church has developed a plan to financially support the work that we do there. And it's just that simple. People give, and they give sacrificially, and they give joyfully. In fact, there, there are people who have gone so deep in their relationship with Christ that they no longer ask that question, how much should I give? They ask, how much do I really need to keep? We believe that God is calling us to expand ministry on a whole bunch of fronts. More opportunities, 
more people linked in small groups, more connecting points, more engagement with our community, maybe an additional campus or, or maybe more building space, maybe greater capacity for our children's programs, kitchen facilities so that our weekly seniors events and community events that we can't even do yet, we can do. A prayer chapel, a counseling center, a worship arts center. It may cost a bit, but, but I really think that God needs to lead us in this decision. So before we as a church meet to consider a new strategic plan, let's just call ourselves back to the main thing. We want to unleash the power of Jesus in people's lives. How best to do that? And we want to let you know that in order to carry it out, we're going to have to ask each other, to give enough not just to fund what we're doing currently, but to give above and beyond that too in order to fund what God is calling us to do still. Be generous. And here's the final B. Be serving. I'm asking every follower of Jesus who calls MCBC their home to get invested and get involved. You can join a worship team. You can point a camera. You can hold a baby. You can greet a guest. You can offer prayer. There are in Cooksfield in the Mississauga Valley children who need to be loved, seniors who feel forgotten. There are students who need somebody to cheer them on. There is this whole neighborhood around us, and it's growing rapidly. Again, the Bible says, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, and they will put their trust in God. They need to know. It's a strange thing, you know, folks. You experience God when you serve in ways that you would never experience Him if you just watch. That's what I want to ask of all of us. Will you pass the torch on brighter than you received it? And we'll do our best together to work on that. Be inviting, be connected, be generous, be serving. How high are the stakes? They're sky high, aren't they? Will somebody be sitting in that chair on your left? Here's what I believe. I believe the best is still yet to come for MCBC. And that's saying a lot. Because you've had a great journey as a church. I believe that God stands ready to pour out even greater blessings than we have seen. And I believe that God is calling an army of people who are all in, right from their head down to the tip of their toes. So what do you say? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church, for the generations of people we don't even know, but who've made sacrifices. Some of them we've never even heard about, but they worked and they prayed, and they sweated and they gave and they dreamed. I thank you for generation after generation after generation, going all the way back to Jesus, who faced trouble and persecution and prison, suffering and danger. Thank you for people who are doing that even today in so many parts of the world. But God, thanks for our church here. Thanks for the gospel. Thanks for Jesus. And God, thanks for today and for tomorrow. For all those people who you love so much, who's language and culture and work and faces you love so much. I pray for this church, for MCBC. God, I pray that you'll pour out a spirit of devotion to Jesus, of unforced and joyful and wholehearted commitment. 
Pray that God would unleash a movement of your spirit around the GTA like we have never seen. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.